You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. And now, Side B. All right. So last week, we talked about Nipsey Hussle. Mm-hmm. And because of that episode, you uh, you heard some you heard from some listeners. Yeah, I, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it, man. It's just I, I got a I got an email in the middle of the night uh, from a listener who explicitly stated in the show or lis- explicitly stated in the email, "I'm a fan of the show. I don't do social media. Here's what happened," um, and they detailed. You know exactly what happened, what's going on, what's going on in L.A., um, you know, how, you know, uh, just just they confirmed a lot of details. And the reason why I, I believed this person was because they had confirmed a lot of things that I heard in private. And I kind of told the story, but the story that I told on the show wasn't 100 percent accurate. And so I wonder if this person sent that email out to sort of clear up uh, the inaccuracies that I, that I, I, I've reported or whatever. Um, and I was just, I'm still shocked. I'm like, really like you could have really took that story to the shade room. You could have took it to Wendy Williams. You could have took it to like TMZ. You could have took it to anybody. You took it to clock radio speakers. What? Right. That like, I, I get, I get overwhelmed every time I think about that. Cause you know, like that's, and, and what happened was, was, you know, I began to correspond with the person and they shared more stuff, but I decided against like not sharing it because it, I mean, it, it blew. I literally just got a notification <laughs> from people <laughs> arguing about the tweet on, or arguing about the, the post on, uh, on Nas's Instagram. Right. Somebody's like, yeah, well, this is what happened. And somebody's like, well, who's your source at Armand wake up? And I'm like, oh my God, here we go. <laughs> um, for I mean, I haven't gotten any like DMs or anything asking me to clarify anything. I haven't gotten any feedback. Um, but I, I, I guess I, the last thing I'm gonna say is I, I chose not to share the additional information because I think the purpose of sharing it was to clear the air. And there was a lot of the conspiracy theory talk and like all that stuff. And I think Clock Radio Speakers one of the, one of the things that we try to do is we try to be as uh, truthful and by the books and this is what it is as possible. We'll raise different theories, but I think doc, you and I are, are, um, we just, we just love the truth. And I think that it's important, especially for the, for the legacy and for what Nipsey, what Nipsey has become. Cause we're, I'm, I'm sure we're about to talk about that. Um, I just didn't want, I didn't want that to get muddied. I didn't, you know, I didn't want that to get muddied. I, I didn't want that to get muddied in controversy. Like, this is how he died. Um, now that we understand that and get that, like, let's just celebrate his life and his contributions to, you know, the world and the people that he impacted, so on and so forth. I didn't want any, I don't want a cloud around that because that cloud can get really ugly and really muddy. And it's just unnecessary, especially when it's not true. So when you, um, when you got that email from the listener, what was your initial sort of response? What did, how did you feel? Uh, overwhelmed again, overwhelmed, like really. Yeah, <sighs> if I can clarify. So like, not, I mean, I, yeah. Cause you talked a bit about how like you were really over, you know, like you said, overwhelmed that they chose us to sort of share it with. But I mean, like in terms of your thinking about the situation itself, right? Like, you know, you, we had some information before, but to now <sighs> sort of get the, a, a bit more perspective or context about what really happened. 
Yeah. So the first thing that I did was I reached out to some of my some of my friends out there and sent them the email and said, yo, like, is this true? And um, everybody said, yeah. And then even after I posted it, um, I was getting DMs from people who were like, yeah, or not DMs, but just messages from people because I just said I didn't get any DMs about clarification. But I did get messages from people who were like, yeah, this is what I was hearing that happened. Um, I think it was unfortunate. I think that was I think that was it. After being overwhelmed and how I took that in personally, the next step was just like, man, that was really unnecessary. Um, and even to hear the report, and I don't know if this is true, but I did read a report that, you know, Nipsey was talking to, to Eric after he shot him. Nipsey was like, oh, man, you shot me. You got me. I'm good, though. And because he said that, that's what made Eric go back versus the 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 guy um, who just got out of jail, who got shot. He played dead. Hmm. Um, and Nipsey talked to the guy because Nipsey talked to the guy. The report kind of insinuated that that's what made Eric go back and shoot him again. I, I it. I, again, Doc, I just hate it was so avoidable, man. It was that's just so that's ego, that's pride, that's insecurity, that's uh, that's trauma, that's mental health. That's so that's such a layered. Oh, it's I hate it, man. So when you talk it's about so it, unfortunate, I was going to say when you talk about unfortunate, I mean, like get a little more detailed if you if you don't mind, like what is unfortunate about it? It just didn't need to happen. Well, sure i mean that's enough like okay. what i mean what else do you want me to go into detail about like um, it, it i just just felt like it was on it that whole the interaction nip not being aggressive towards the guy um nip actually offering to help like hey i'm trying to save you because there are kids here and if they see you here you know there's a good chance that you could be in danger so if you go home and you produce paperwork or something legal that shows that you didn't do what people say that you did i'll help you that it goes from that to I gotta kill this guy. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Oh, swag, man. That's whack. Let's talk about something else because I'm getting angry. Uh, so the rea- so not surprising in this uh you know era of streaming where you know somebody, I, I think it's safe to say Nipsey, um certainly well known in hip hop, but he never crossed over, right? Yes. So for the first time, a lot of people were hearing, a, truly, a lot of people were like, oh, Nipsey Hussle, who's that? And so when that happens, you get, you know, the inevitable sales bump, uh, Nipsey's album, Victory Lap, back on Billboard number two. So higher than it peaked mm-hmm. before, more sales than it did last time, actually. So he's doing his, uh, you know, his uh, his albums are selling more than ever before. And I've seen this pointed out, and it's an interesting point to make because he was so fiercely independent. Um, owned his masters. This is a case where there's no record label getting rich off this. This is his family who will be seeing whatever they're seeing from this. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. in this era of streaming, it's not like he sold a whole bunch of albums. He's it's really streaming. Won't be the biggest check, but every little bit counts, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. And and not just Victory Lap. I think all of his albums hit Billboard. Oh yeah, I mean everything. You know, songs have have, uh, have seen a spike, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, we're going to, we had talked about this a bit on the pre-show, I think, where, you know, you're already starting to see like artists talk about like, oh, I've got this Nipsey verse kind of in the stash and stuff like that. And, you know, hopefully his family is, uh, <sighs> at the very least, let's hope his family is taken care of for, for whatever comes Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will be. 
Um, do you want to talk about Kodak Black? <laughs> sure. Um, so, so what, 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 what exactly happened? So Kodak Black lately has it been not in the studio, but on spending a lot of his time on Instagram Live. And he, I feel like this isn't the first time that he's gotten, I don't say in trouble, but some things have happened based off of things that he said on Instagram Live. So he gets on IG Live and he says he's going to give Lauren London a year to cry, to, you know, mourn. And then he wants to get with her. Uh, that's such a 90s word, get with her. Uh, um, and that just spawned a lot of backlash that that brought T.I. out initially, who used expeditiously in the funniest way possible. <laughs> Yo, I got to write a book and he has to read my book. Oh, he has to do the audio version of the book. I him, need... Bert. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. This is him, Birdman, and James Earl Jones. They have to do the book together. And Samuel L. Jackson. I need like I need the ability to swap in people like T.I. for my Siri voice on my phone. Yes. I yes. think James uh, Earl Jones would also be a fantastic choice. Waze did that for a time. I know when a movie was coming out, they had Kevin Hart give directions, which was funny at first, but then got annoying after about a, about the third day. Yeah, um, there, yeah. My my Lyft driver, one of my Lyft drivers in New Orleans, definitely had some other voice on for Waze, and it was completely disorienting. Yeah, yeah. Waze is like the hipster uh, Google Maps for sure. Um, he was also listening to Kevin Gates in the car, which is the most New Orleans thing I can possibly think of. Oh boy, he would now the he had been listening to Turk, <laughs> not Juvenile, not Wayne, not even BG Turk. Turk. Um, yeah, so that just brought out everybody out the woodworks saying it was disrespectful, you know, whatever, whatever. Kodak Black initially kind of bucked back and was like, I'm not apologizing. And then the next day he apologized. And then I believe Power 106 in L.A. and a few other radio stations announced that they would no longer be playing uh, Kodak's music on the radio. And I believe that that trap museum in Atlanta just took down anything related to Kodak. Uh, that was in there. There's so. a trap museum. Yeah, I think it coincided with the Two Chains album. Yeah, I think there's a trap museum in Atlanta. That's like the history of Atlanta rap music, but I think also just like. Yo, I typed it. I typed in trap museum, and it comes up traphistorymuseum.com. I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. No, trap. The trap history museum is located in Galloway, Ohio, a suburb of Columbus, <laughs> and it's a museum. That offers over 4,000 traps, mouse traps, <laughs> bear traps. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the most Ohio thing ever. Oh, man. You got to oh, go there God. and do a web web series. You can call it Trap History Month. Yes. <laughs> I'm in there. You said, you said Galloway? Yeah, it's traphistorymuseum.com. Oh, let, me, let, me, let me pull up Waze. <laughs> Waze Holler at us. Sponsor, sponsor Clock Radio Speakers. Um, let's look up Galloway, Ohio, just real quick. Okay. Oh, bruh, that's 20 miles away. Right. So the actual trap music museum. Wait, there's an escape room there? Where in Ohio? No, 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 no. At the trap museum in Atlanta. Oh, what and are you, so what are you escaping from? It's the, called the escape. It says the escape the trap. Oh no. Escape the trap. <laughs> All right, what is this? Uh, let's see, Trap History Museum. Let's look. 
they don't really tell you much about like what's there. Mm. It's like, all right, I see I can buy tickets, but like, what am I seeing when I? <laughs> yeah, now I'm cool. Just watch the Dungeon Family documentary on Netflix. You'll be fine. <laughs> oh, but you can buy merchandise online. Nope, that link is broken. Come on, Trap Music Museum. <laughs> Get it together. They're missing, they're missing, they're missing the bag. Oh, man. Meanwhile, you, you could be at the Trap History Museum. <laughs> Just come home with like a whole assortment of traps. Oh, come back see, with trinkets for, of traps. But see, for that, now you need the cowboy hat. Oh, I got I to gotta run in there. Full, nah, man, I need full a, yeehaw agenda. I need a... <laughs> I was going to say, I need a dicky suit. I got to look like I trap animals for a living. Oh, man. <sighs> and it gets us. I need a guitar. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Okay. So, Kodak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. He's, he's getting all this backlash. People are like, cancel Kodak Black, yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. But what's interesting is that Kodak recently got officially indicted on rape charges where he raped a believe a high school student in South Carolina. Um, Kodak has been saying a lot of, like I said, he's been in the news for saying a lot of like crazy stuff. Um, and doc, I want to approach it from a different angle uh-huh. versus, okay. Cause I want to say, sure. Like there are you. Okay. So you have these artists who make this music that we've talked about, casual misogyny, like all this, you know, really crazy stuff in their music. But then we expect them to be moral. And then we're shocked and we're offended when they do stuff that sounds like the stuff that we dance to because the beat is hard or the way that they wrote the record is hard. Like that never correlates for people. But we can have that conversation. But I also want to have like this this conversation and I kind of want to put some emphasis on 6 9 with this. Okay. Because... Traditionally, new artists are told to stay in the studio, keep making records. And especially in this climate, you could just keep putting out stuff and wait on something to hit. Right. Yeah. But now it seems like a lot of artists more than ever are they'll do a record. It'll blow up. And then in order to remain relevant or remain hot, they're jumping on on Instagram live They're Like that's what keeps them in the news in between records. And I don't know. How do you feel about that? Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? At least to me in this world where a fan's relationship with the artist isn't just artist puts out music. I listen to music. I may go buy a ticket to the concert. It is much more like, you are experiencing all the parts of their life, right? It's what social media enables with considerable downside sometimes, right? Uh, We've talked about in the show, I can't, I mean, it feels like all the time, right? This idea of the mystique for most artists just isn't there anymore, right? We grew up in in an age that idolized the mystique, right? Mm. And now this, 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 this generation, they don't idolize the mystique at all. Now there are going to be exceptions to that, right? And, um, you know, in a world where, um, you know, the mystique is rare, that means that every so often there will be artists who come through who are a little mysterious and it's going to get people's attention because it's so rare. But like in yeah. general, I feel like especially younger fans, their relationship with music is just fundamentally different. 
right? It's, mm. the, it's the same as their relationship with any celebrity of any kind. It's why I don't know if they draw as sharp of a distinction between like, oh, that person became famous because they were on reality shows versus this person became famous because they were musician. Like, what's the difference? It's all entertainment. It's all attention, right? It yeah. do- doesn't really matter that much, right? You might follow this person on Instagram because like, you know, that you think they have, you think that they have great fashion sense and you follow them and they're kind of an influencer or whatever. And like, would you go like, you know, pay to like go to a meetup with them in person? I mean, how is that that much different than, oh yeah, I listen to this person's music sometimes and I follow them on, on Instagram live. Like it's not that big of a difference. It's really not. Cause it's all about attention at the end of the day. And it's just how we're getting that attention. I think you and I and our generation, we place music up on this pedestal, right? Like, oh, you've made this art. Mm-hmm. And it's not that music isn't still art. It's just that like, again, it's all about like, how can I get your attention? And so if you don't have any music that's super captivating, or if you don't have anything that's really hidden right now, you know, it, it's just one more way for artists who feel like they have to always be in the public eye to continue to stay in the public eye. It used to be, you know, you'd get the panic like mixtape or panic single after the album, right? Where you're like, oh no, didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta come out with something else. But now yeah. you could just go. You could just continue to engage your fan base, right? Right, and I, you know, there used to be this term. I don't even does, does it even exist anymore? Overexposure. Yes. Right. Like I think it still does. Our generation grew up terrified of that. Yeah. I don't think that's. I don't think most. I, I'm speaking in gen, you know real general here, but like I don't think much of this generation cares about that. I think. I think. I think overexposure is different now because what you do is, is you, you do something crazy and because we're so desensitized, you have to top the crazy. It's the, it's the Shane McMahon theory. It's the ECW theory, right? It's, it's, it's hardcore wrestling. The first time we saw somebody get hit in the head with a kendo stick or garbage or a, 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 a garbage cover, we thought it was the craziest thing in the world. Well, after a while, that's not that big of a deal, even though, yeah, sure, Doc, let me hit you with a kendo stick and let me, you know, let me show you how it feels. You tell me how it feels. Then it becomes, I got to hit you with a stop sign. Then it becomes, I'm coming to the ring with a, 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 a grocery cart full of weapons, two by fours and shovels. And, and when you watch Japanese death wrestling and, and people are having barbed wire matches and setting tables on fire and mankind jumping off the hell in the cell and like it just becomes more and more and more and more and more and i think what these rappers do they say something and it makes the shade room it makes the blogs makes academics they get all this attention they go back to the label hey your streams are up 30 percent. keep doing what you're doing but if you say that same thing when you're on instagram live people are gonna be like "Eh." What else you got? Right. And so then it becomes, all right, well, um, let's play, let's do pranks or let's, let's do this. So let's do that. And you have to up the ante for yourself. And before you know it, you're like, hey, you want me to shoot somebody on camera? It's just something totally extra. What can I say to get people to, like, there's just no filter. There's no couth. (laughs) There's no, it's just like, okay, whatever I'm going to say in the moment is what I said. But like, no, like, sure, you can say that in private 
if I say something to you off air, Doc, we can have a conversation and you can say, Armand, like you're tripping. And that I'm only I only said that one thing to you. So it affects you. Not only does it what I say immediately affect the 18,000 people who are watching me on live, the people record it. It goes on YouTube. It goes on the blog. So now millions and millions and millions of people who have seen this stuff, who don't know you, who don't like you, who don't know your music, don't know anything about you. Other than, uh, yeah, I think, who is that? Was that the guy who made the meme song where they were in the studio dancing? Oh, yeah, Kodak Black. I've heard that name before. What'd he say? And it just becomes out of control. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say is... <laughs> <laughs> you said, you said yeah, like uh, like every single like Lil Jon ad-lib uh, beat in like the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think... I think if you are in this world where there's like, it's this world of infinite niches, I think as an artist, you can forget how bigger the world is, right? Absolutely. Especially yes. if you came up on social media in this, in, in this era. Um, it's what, right. You're, what you're saying about like t- having things taken out of context is totally true, right? Because you can, you can think for, you can sort of get trapped in the idea that I'm having this one-on-one conversation with just my followers. And it's like, no, actually there are entire news outlets that exist to publicize scandalous things that people who have made noteworthy songs or art of any kind might say on their social media and will take this and elevate this to whatever. And, you know, there are people who heard about Kodak Black for the first time because they heard about Nipsey Hussle for the first time. And then they read a related story about how he attempted to hit on Nipsey Hussle's, uh, well, wife. And it's like... But he doesn't even he's not even thinking that way because it is sort of, you know, man, smartphones are a seductive thing. You know, like Absolutely. you think that how you view the world through that smartphone is how everybody else does. And it's just not true. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can literally curate what you see. So as long as it's not on your phone, it could it's a it's a it's a tree falling in the middle of the forest. Well, right, because it used to be like, you know, in an era where, sure, I mean, like, it's been a long time since we only, you know, I always feel like my parents' generation would always joke about how, like, you know, when we grew up, we had three channels. Like that kind of (laughs) joke, right? That's an old person joke. So you and I, we grew up on way more than three channels. We grew up on cable TV. But like, there was still a, there was still a shared sense of like what was happening like we hadn't quite fractured into a million niches at that point. Mm-hmm. So like if you were a musician and you did something kind of stupid, you would know that it was bad because you'd be like, oh God, it's on MTV news or, oh no, mm-hmm. they're talking about it here. And like you're seeing it presented to the world the same way that everybody else is because music, because TV is not an interactive medium. But like you said, when you've curated your follower list or when you interact with the world through these apps, or if you turn off notifications, you know what I mean? If, cause if you're Kodak Black, like, could you really have notifications on? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely I hope not. not. I hope yes, not. Absolutely not. Unless yes. you've got, at least you hired somebody whose job is to do that, which is a terrible job. Um, so you, <laughs> you might not even really know for a little while. And then when you get told about it, you're going to be like, well, that's not what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. It's, the, right. it's the Trump problem writ large. Right. Right. Trump, Trump's feedback about himself is what he sees for his own social media, what he sees on Fox and what he reads about in the New York Times and the Washington Post. That's it. 
So he knows he hates those two papers because they don't write positive stuff about him. And he loves Fox because they're basically his hype men, right? Fox News is like, (laughs) he might as well be, uh, well, do I want to say Rampage? No, not Rampage. Um, He is their spliff star, right? Like that's like (laughs) Fox News is the spliff star to Donald Trump's Busta Rhymes, right? And so... Okay, I'm rolling. Go ahead. Right, right. <laughs> so it's the same problem, right? Where there isn't like a there isn't like a somewhat neutral, somewhat standard view that is being projected into the world that everybody has to react to, right? Twenty years for news, everybody oh, you know, oh it showed up on CNN and this is the thing, or oh it showed up on like the nightly news and it was mostly reported mostly the same and it was all from mostly the same sort of point of view so you had you could sort of feel like if you the, you were the president and you heard about something you saw how it was being reported on the news you sort of understood that's how everybody was going to be viewed it but like trump's fans don't they also don't watch these other news sources trump's fans right. consume the same media that trump does mm-hmm. so you get this weird cycle and in this era of social media as an artist it can be um you can sort of uh feel like that's how your fans consume it as well. And for really big name artists who have really devoted fan bases, I think Kanye West might be one of them, right? If you're a Kanye West fan and you consume your news about Kanye West from Kanye to the, and uh, the team Kanye blog and whatever else, then you're going to have a very different perspective on Kanye West than if you don't follow those things. Yeah, It is entirely possible to use the wonderful modern miracle of the smartphone to just distort your entire world. Yeah. I agree. There you go. I, yeah, I don't have anything to say. Now, okay, you're, now yeah. you're just thinking of Fox News as a split star. Yes. Uh, who's Baby Sham? Oh, no, Baby Sham. <laughs> now I just hear cha-cha-cha in my head. Oh, go, go back and listen to our uh, Buster Rhymes retrospective, uh, clockradiospeakers.com. Um, yeah, some of those Buster Rhymes are really, are really good. There, there is a uh, There's an all-time list of artists who could make a goofy beat work for them. Buster Rhymes is, is he headlines that list. I would say he, if he's not, he's top two and there's a good chance that he's not two. Who else is on that list? Ooh, Ludacris. Yep. Um, hmm. I think two chains could do something. Yep. Right. Uh, Snoop. Snoop. Yep. On a red man, I think. Yeah. Right, you need a certain um, amount of personality. You need a certain mm-hmm. you need a certain amount of like flexibility with your flow to adapt to weird stuff. Uh, I mean that was that was Eminem's whole shtick. Well, it then, worked at the beginning. Then he became too serious for his own good. I mean, but then it was just it was it became the gimmick. You know it. it you know my name is in the real Slim Shady of classics, but after that, woof, without me. Without me, it's not you. aged well. Without me, not at all. when that song came out, I was like, he did it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no, he did not. Oh. No, he did not. <laughs> oh, my God. Relax. <laughs> um, you also need to have a sense of humor about stuff, right? Um, and it turns out, Eminem does not have a sense of humor about himself. That's I'm a, I not think, gonna, I f- 
but I feel bad for him. I do too. But I'm saying I think that's a that's a critical component to being able to jump on a goofy song. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right? You have like to not, not take yourself. Like Buster Rhymes can do everybody on the line outside. He can do that video, it's totally fine. And that when they were um well, weren't they like bull riders? Yeah. Bullfighters? Right. Yeah. And it doesn't make oh um what would you say about ODB? Um he didn't, he didn't really well no, cause uh Got your money. But he's not really in that video. <laughs> I was no, I was just talking about people who made goofy records work. Sure. I think he certainly was he had a very he was very flexible with his sound, for sure. I don't know if he's on that yeah. short list though. Yeah, because if I think about it, ODB's goofy records aren't that good. ODB was just uh like a character. Right. I mean, because we're looking at Brooklyn Zoo. Um like that's a hard record. Yeah, you you can't take yourself too seriously to be on this list. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I think Busta, Luda, and uh, who's who's the third person? I think Snoop. Maybe Snoop. Yeah, those are probably the top three. Yeah, yeah, because no, who could do sensual seduction? Right. Who could do that? Right. So, other than Snoop, that's still crazy. Oh my god! Sensual seduction. Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, the most feared man in america does that song and yeah man i don't know how many people just in the world have done uh a a cultural 180 like snoop has um that's a good question who else has done a 180 like that i mean dre dre's in that category too sort of he's ice cube yeah ice cube for sure ice t ice t 100 percent I'm trying to think of people outside of music. I mean, Ice-T was on SNL this past weekend. <laughs> was he? They did a... So they had the... Do you watch Game of Thrones? No. All right. You need you need to remedy that. But anyway, um, <laughs> so the guy... I still didn't finish Boardwalk Empire. Like, I'm I'm way behind on my HBO shows. <laughs> uh, the guy... But you, you, you've you seen people talk about it or whatever. So the guy who plays... Absol- the my, guy, my, yeah. All my coworkers absolutely love right, Game so of Thrones. The guy who plays uh, Jon Snow uh, on Game of Thrones, he hosted SNL. And they did this whole like montage of of a sketch where they basically it was like fake um, spinoffs and prequels and sequels to um, to Game of Thrones that would be coming out, and mm. one of them was like a Law and Order style police procedural, except it really did have Ice T. <laughs> oh my! It was God. funny. Um, I'm glad that you openly admit that you laugh at Saturday Night Live. Oh, there's still some stuff that's funny. There's some stuff yeah, that's good. stupid. Sure, but I think the running joke, oh, Saturday Night Live hasn't been good since. No, there's typically at least two to maybe two to three funny skits a week. SNL's SNL's problem is that like SNL can sometimes be like an NBA team, right? Where you sometimes, you know, you can have really good shows, but if you don't have enough stars, then you're going to get some clunkers. Sure. Right. And they're relying pretty heavily on um, on external guests to come in and do stuff, especially with the political stuff. Their political stuff is just not funny right now. Um, they, um, I think it's because Donald Trump is so easily caricatured and it's, yeah, I, I think it would almost be funnier if they attempted to take the totally contrarian position and try to make him seem like funny, like not make fun of him, but go the other way and try to make that funny. Yeah. Right. Because right now it just sounds like, oh, 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 look, making fun of Trump again. It's like, all right, we get it. 
He makes fun right. of like he's complete. He's he is a buffoon. Like, what are you going to make fun of? You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. But they've got talented people. They just don't have any like stars who can like own like just rescue that that one key sketch for the night. You know what I mean? There's no Will Ferrell. There's no Tina Fey. There's no like they're just they don't have that star player right now or even star players. Like there there have been seasons of SNL that have just been loaded. Yeah. They just they're right now they're like an NBA team that needs like a star to put them over the top. You know, still gonna yeah. play some good games, but you know. Yeah. I agree with that. All right, so coming back around Lipsy Hustle and Kodak Black. Anything yes. else you want to say about Kodak Black? Nah, I'm good. <clears throat> Anything else you want to say about Nipsey Hustle um and just the whole situation? Um if you if you purchased or if you grab tickets to his first, first of all, tickets to a funeral is is insane. But reselling those tickets, like, come on, like, come on, buying those tickets. How much on. were the tickets? I've heard. I I just saw something on eBay for four hundred. I heard something earlier about six hundred. No, like, I mean, like, going. if you actually bought them, like, legit. No, they're free. Oh, they're free. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paying to go to a funeral is nuts. It, it is. I mean. I understand that, like, if you open the Staples Center, there are costs that come with that. Sure, you got to have people for security. Are they going to have? Oh God, are they going to have concessions? I didn't even think about that. Um, <laughs> you got to go in and get a hot dog, and then go. Yeah, oh, I don't know. But even just security, um, there's a certain minimum cost, and you would hope that somebody would cover that, right? Um, I'm sh- I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. sure that's covered sure somebody will cover that but um absolutely but you know if they couldn't get it all covered i could see charging money as crazy as that sounds like this stuff's not free like um unrelated but um somewhat related so uconn football used to play uh they used to open up they used to have like an open spring practice where like you could mm-hmm. go in and uh, it was the whole appeal was like it's springtime it's nice weather it's free so like if you've got a family and you don't normally go to a lot of games but you know you got some kids who want to you know, see the team and whatever. Like it was a great like opportunity to do that. The problem though is the team doesn't make a, t- you know, they don't, they're not really successful right now. They don't make a lot of money and they're like locked into like bad deals at the stadium. So every time they open the stadium, I think it's two, is it 250,000 just for like everything? Wow. And I'm just like, wait, huh? I was like, oh, no wonder they, they canceled open spring practice. That's a quarter wow. mil. It's crazy. Wow. You know? So like, Let's just say opening Staples Center for for a major event, maybe not two fifty, maybe it's cheaper, but like it's no joke. So that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, um, that's a thing. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else about. Um, Nipsey. I'm sure there was a bunch of other stuff, but man, it's just. We can get into the, the Nipsey Tupac comparisons. We could get into, I think we talked about this before, where artists who have passed and then, you know, their legend grows. Um, I definitely feel like, I definitely feels like this. I've, it feels like initially, like at its core, that that the the impact of this is very genuine. And I think that we will see a lot of significant changes in in hip hop um from this um what do you mean by that he, um 
you know, when you talk about a lot of the things that Nipsey was sort of fighting for, um, just particularly like, um, I think the gang culture, I think, um, oh, I think just in terms of being more mindful of your community, things like that, I think people will become to be more. I said it this year, I said, yo, it's about, it's going to be cool to be local again. I think I said this either the top of this year or last year. And I think that Nipsey having the love and respect that he has in New York, or I'm sorry, not New York, in LA, um, I think that's going to reverberate to where a lot of, not even just artists, but just people in general are not going to be so concerned about the big blow up more than I want to impact where I live. I think that's about to be more of a thing than it already is right now. Cause that was already growing, but I think this is, this will be something that solidified it. Um, I'm really curious to see what the what the gang truce is going to look like, because from what I'm seeing, I haven't heard anything. But from what I'm seeing, it looks to be legit. There was definitely like sets that were in <clears throat> there around the marathon store that two weeks ago, if they were anywhere near each other, like guns would have been drawn. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's something that lasts. I do remember the peace treaty in 92. Um I just hope that that's something that that's really solidified and, and goes on. So, uh, yeah. So I, I think one thing for f- one last thing for folks who are not from the LA area or who have not mm-hmm. spent sp- significant time in the LA area, I think mm-hmm. they, and I'll just say this from personal experience. Like I think we underestimate or don't understand really the ramifications of, of, of gangs in LA. Yeah. Right. There are gangs in many cities, gangs in all cities, I presume. But yeah. there is something particular about about those two sides in LA. So the idea of a gang truce, like if you're not from LA and you hear that, you're probably just thinking, oh, it's a gang truce, whatever. But like, that's a big deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, Gangs are, that's family culture. That's, oh my God. That's, it's huge. Um, I I can't really say anything beyond that. Like, yo, it's it's huge. Right. So I I I hope I hope that that's legitimate. Um, of course you you're you're gonna get your people who are gonna try and take advantage of that, and your rappers that are gonna put out freestyles and I wanted to whatever, and and you know after a while it's like I don't know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, whatever. All right, man. Anything else you want to talk about this week? Nah, I think we're I think we're good. All right. Well, thank you everybody as always for listening to this week's Clock Radio Speakers. Hit us up at CRS Podcast. Um, don't forget to check out patreon.com slash CRS Podcast if you want to support yes. us. Shout yes. out to our Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you yes. for real. Um, Armand, you got anything to plug? Oh, wait, we didn't even talk about your thing. If we didn't talk about the thing, I told I I'm just not in the in the yeah, that's not really my bag lady. Yeah, so this Sunday, um, six PM at uh at Linden Life Fellowship. Um, let me find the address. Hold on. But basically what we're doing is we're we're creating uh just a, a community discussion um behind Nipsey's Nipsey's death. Um we want to provide a safe space for people to process, um, people who may be confused, people who may just want to know, like just maybe want to just get some bars off and just kind of vent and express frustrations, um, discuss solutions and, you know, active steps that we can take to, you know, 
Like we're not LA and gang culture in in Columbus isn't isn't nearly what it is in LA. But you know what what some of the what are some of the things that Nipsey you know preached or, or attempted to implement that we can do for each other uh, locally. So yeah, it just come out. Uh, six o'clock, eight seven seven East Eleventh Avenue. Shout out to my man Priest. Shout out to a uh, friend of the show Taylor Gray for opening up his church doors. Um, and yeah, it should be a really good time, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And uh, I don't know if we're back next week because at this rate, who knows what music's dropping? But we'll be back some point. <laughs>